Hello, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Wesley Memorial Church podcast. This is Clark Chilton, one of our associate pastors here at the church. We're in a sermon series called Advent Preparing for Christmas. Advent is that time of year where we know it's not quite yet Christmas, and that's okay. A time of preparation, a time of waiting, a time of seeking God and drawing near to God as we take this journey together toward the manger on Christmas Eve. Christmas is a wonderful time of year. It's also a stressful time. It's a time uh, when we remember those in our past or we miss loved ones. It can be a, a time of difficulty as well, and we acknowledge that. We want you to know that we're praying for you. If you want to join us for a worship service any Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m., we would love to see you. To learn more, visit wesleymemorial.org. And now here's this week's message on Advent, preparing for Christmas. As you're being seated, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the ninth chapter of the book of Isaiah. If you don't have your own Bible with you, there, there is one provided for you in the pew rack in front of you. Our second reading, like our first reading, comes from the book of Isaiah. The Christian community has always referred to the prophecy of Isaiah in the Old Testament as the fifth gospel because in so many ways it presents Jesus Christ to the world. So our second reading comes from Isaiah chapter 9. I will begin reading at the second verse. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And then verse 6. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. Friends, would you pray with me? God, we know that you have called us by name and you have gathered us into this place today. We thank you for your presence here among us. We thank you for the presence of the living Jesus here with us today, who through the power and the work of your Holy Spirit seeks to continue our journeys of transformation. God, we know that you have a word for each one of us today that will come from your written word, the living word here in our midst. God, we thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you for all your blessings. But give us the grace and give us the courage to always seek you, the giver, more than we ever seek any of your gifts. Speak your word to us this day. Draw us into a closer fellowship, relationship 
with you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, it's almost hard to believe, but it is almost Christmas. I remember when I was a little child, it seemed as if Christmas would never, ever arrive. And I would wait and wait and wait. The days became so long. And I also remember as a little child, the adults in my life telling me that for them, time just flew by. And I never could understand that because for me, Christmas almost never came. Now that I'm older, I understand what those adults were saying to me years ago. I don't know what it is about getting older, but as we get older, time does seem to fly. I tell my family and have for years that as a preacher, it seems that there are two Sundays every week. They roll around so quickly. And there must be a couple Christmases every year because they seem to roll around so quickly. It's hard to believe that it's almost Christmas. But I'm glad that it's almost Christmas. We need Christmas. We always need Christmas, but I think perhaps this year a little more so than some other years, we need Christmas. We need Christmas to occur as a day, but more importantly, we need Christmas to occur in our hearts. Life can be so tough. Life can be so hard. We, we need Christmas. We need what Christmas can bring to us when we understand Christmas, when we rightly observe Christmas. So I'm glad that it's almost Christmas. There's something about seeing the lights of Christmas that brings some hope to our spirits. I love the lights of Christmas. I particularly love the white lights of Christmas. Every time I see those white lights, particularly when they're shining in the darkness, I am reminded of how the light of Jesus Christ pierces the darkness of this world. Life can be hard. Life can be very difficult. Perhaps for some of you seated in this place right now, this has been a very difficult year for you. Your journey to Christmas has been very hard. Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. My wife and I recently were watching Jeopardy. We love to watch Jeopardy together. That's one of our hobbies. And we were watching Jeopardy, and I was reminded of something that happened in London in the 17th century. I remembered that there was a massive disastrous fire that hit London in 1666. And I remembered from my history studies that when the fire of London ravaged that city, 70,000 people out of a city of 80,000 lost their homes. That was 1666. But as I watched Jeopardy recently, I was reminded that in 1665, the year before the great fire, the Great Plague ravaged England, and 75,000 people died in the Great Plague. Life can be tough. Life can be very, very hard. 
And I'm so grateful for the resources that we have as the people of Jesus in this world. When we look at the writings of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible, both the major and the minor prophets, we realize their lives were difficult. They were always prophesying truth to power. And many times power did not want to hear what they had to say. So for all of the prophets of the Hebrew Bible, life was difficult, life was hard. All of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible prophesied to the people of Israel and Judah during very different, difficult periods of their history. We're looking at Isaiah this morning, and during Isaiah's life, he lived through some difficult rulers. He had to live through Ahaziah, had to live through Ahaz. There was the memory of Rehoboam. There were many kings of the Israelites and the Judeans who were somewhere between impotent, ineffective, and evil rulers of the land. Some of the kings were just not very fruitful as monarchs of the land. They didn't do well by the people. Some of the kings, though, that ruled mistreated the people. And justice and righteousness were in very short supply. Some of the rulers actually led the people astray into the worship of foreign gods, into idol worship. And that's why some of the monarchs that the prophets had to deal with created the high places throughout that holy land. Those were the high places where the people of the land, Israelites, Judeans, would worship foreign pagan gods. Some of their rulers led them into that. So many of the kings of the people were not good monarchs for them or the land, and they certainly were not people who were leading as a result of having the heart of God in themselves. So the chosen people frequently had to endure terrible hardship. Sometimes that hardship came from outside the land, such as when the Assyrians or the Babylonians, and then there were the Greeks, uh, there were the Romans, the list goes on. There would be people coming at them from other places that would bring conquest and oppression to the people. Sometimes they did have to deal with the pain and the trials that were brought to them from the people outside the country. But much of their pain came from within because of themselves, because of who they were and those evil rulers, somewhere between incompetent and sheer evil. So the people had to deal with difficult lives in many ways. We have to deal with difficult lives in many ways. But we need to remember, and Christmas somehow helps us to remember that no matter what we're going through in our individual lives or no matter what we're going through as a people, as a world, God is always at work. Sometimes we cannot see how God is working in the world around us or even in our lives. Somewhere, sometimes we can only see how God works as we look back in hindsight. And we realize, yes, God was still working. When, when it almost got to the darkest, God was still working God's purposes out in the world and 
in my life. You may remember from the Gospel of John when the religious crowd went after Jesus about healing on the Sabbath, saying he shouldn't do that work on the Sabbath. Jesus' answer was, my Father is always working, therefore I work. God is always at work. God is at work right now in the world, right now in human history, and God is at work in your life. And something that all of us need to remember, God is also at work in the lives of your family, your loved ones, your friends. We can trust that God is always at work. God is always up to something. And sometimes we can't see exactly what it is. Here in Isaiah, we see a description, a characterization of the great ruler, the righteous ruler, the great deliverer who would come and deliver God's people. We see it particularly in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. You see the past tense there? But we know what child this is. We know what son this is. That's why we sing about it in Handel's Messiah. We know who this is of whom the author is speaking. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Why in the world in the past tense? Because we know that Isaiah is prophesying something that would happen in the future. I believe the reason it's in the past tense is this. When God says something is going to happen, you can take that to the bank. When God says something is going to happen, you can rest in the assurance that it will happen because God is faithful, God is true, and God cannot help but to accomplish what God has promised. So sometimes in the Old Testament, the prophetic writings, something that is assuredly coming along later in the history of the people is given in the past tense because of the assurance as to who it is making the promise. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority or governance rests upon his shoulders, and he is named, I want you to look at these four names or titles for the one who is to come. We learn so much about Jesus Christ from the book of Isaiah, a book that was penned 700 years before Jesus Christ invaded history there in Bethlehem. This one who is to come will be called Wonderful Counselor. This one who is to come, the one that we know to be Jesus Christ, is wisdom incarnate. This one has all the answers. This one gives right advice. We all need counselors in our lives. We need someone in our lives to help us make our way through this very complicated, complex world. It seems like life gets more and more complicated every passing day. There's not many days in my life where I don't complain, and yes, I do complain. I complain about things that should be simple, almost always end up being complicated and complex. There doesn't seem to be much in life any longer that really is as simple as it should be. Life is difficult. So we need that wonderful counselor to help us navigate our path. 
We need that wonderful counselor to give us the right advice. Words are coming to us from all directions. We are being flooded with information. Wisdom is the right use of information. We need someone to help us know how to use the information that we have. We need to learn wisdom in the living of these days. And of course, the wonderful counselor can bring us that wisdom. Notice here in the text, he's called mighty God. This one who is to come. He is mighty God because he is the invincible champion. He has the power to do what he wants to do. He has the power to extend his kingdom in this world. And of course, mighty God obviously is a title for God. So you see an expression of the deity, the divinity of this one who is to come, this right ruler, this great deliverer. And he is such a mighty God, he will accomplish what he seeks to accomplish because he is who he says he is. He can do what he says he wants to do. So we call him mighty God. Then it gets even more interesting. Notice this next title, Everlasting Father. This one who is to come is being referenced as Everlasting Father. Now, obviously, he's not father in the Trinitarian sense. In the Christian community, we... We know that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are separate. They are one essence, but they're, they're different persons of the Godhead. So he's not Father in the Trinitarian sense. But I believe what Isaiah is bringing to us here is that this one who is to come is Father in the sense he is provider. He is protector. He who was present at the creation of all creation is also the creator of eternal life that is offered to us. He is everlasting Father. And this one who is to come will care for all of his children, will care for all of his people. I know that some of you in this sanctuary today may have a hard time remembering when it was the last time that you felt cared for. You've spent so much of your life and so much of your time caring for others, working things out for others, paying attention to the needs of others that you might not even be able to remember the last time you felt cared for, the object of great care. I hope that you can feel that care in this place today. Hope that you can feel the love and the warmth of this one that was to come, this one who has now come. I hope that you can feel the affection that God wants to show you, to share with you through this great deliverer. I'm sure that most of us in this place today, we know that God loves us. We know that God loves us. What I hope for all of us here this morning is a, a feeling of being loved. I hope that all of us here this morning can feel the affection of God for us. We know it, but I hope we can feel it this morning because that experience of feeling the love of God in Jesus Christ for us 
can change everything about our living right now in these days. I hope that as you're seated in this place, you can feel the presence of God flowing over you like liquid love, immersing you, because that's how much God loves you. He's everlasting Father. And then lastly, the text says his title will be Prince of Peace. He is the bringer of peace, and we know so little peace in this world. I'm sure I've said in your presence before that the word for peace used in the Old Testament that becomes the concept of peace that's used in the New Testament is that great biblical word shalom. Shalom is one of those Bible words that we really should never we should never translate with just simply one word. I know we translate shalom as peace, but shalom is much more than peace because shalom is never just the absence of strife or the absence of turmoil. I know many times in our lives we would settle for just that, just the absence of strife, the absence of turmoil, but shalom is so much richer than just the absence of strife or turmoil. If I were going to try to translate shalom, it takes at least a sentence. Shalom is that well-being, that safety, that serenity, that harmony, that wholeness. This hour is in Jesus Christ. He wants to birth that in our lives. He wants to birth that in the world. And we know that we are on our way to what the Bible calls the peaceable kingdom. It will happen one day because God is at work. It will happen one day. But right now we can experience that shalom, that peace in our hearts and in our lives because this great deliverer is the bringer of peace. I heard a story recently about a young lady who made a trip to the Holy Land. You know of my passion for travel to the Holy Land. This young lady made a trip to the Holy Land. And like most of us do when we go to the Holy Land, we take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. And we're out there on the Sea of Galilee for about an hour. And um, we remember the stories of Jesus with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And we remember in those stories how oftentimes a, a sudden storm could appear. A storm could blow in quickly from the Mediterranean Sea. Well, this young lady was there doing the obligatory boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and sure enough, it happened. A storm blew in quickly, unexpectedly from the Mediterranean, and there they were on the Sea of Galilee, and there were white caps on the Sea of Galilee, and it got, it got really rather boisterous on the Sea of Galilee. And this young lady... Tell, tells the story that when she was there on the boat in, in the midst of the storm on the Sea of Galilee, these people around her kept saying, peace be still. Well, evidently this young lady, God bless her, must have been a Sunday school dropout. She missed that story in the Bible where Jesus calmed the storm there on the Sea of Galilee by just speaking to the storm, peace be still. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He can speak peace into our lives. So here, in the book of Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus Christ 
was birthed in human flesh there in Bethlehem. Here in Isaiah, we presented this amazing portrait of Jesus Christ. My hope for you this season is that you will experience Jesus. You will experience Jesus as the wonderful counselor. You may be facing some hard decisions right now in life. So I hope that you will flee to the wonderful counselor. I hope that you will experience Jesus Christ as the mighty God because he as the mighty God can move mountains. And you may have some mountains in your life right now that need to be moved and you cannot move them. Well, we know who can. I hope that you will feel and experience this Jesus as the everlasting Father. You will experience and feel the affection and love that he has for you. And I hope that you will so experience the affection and love that he has for you that that affection and love will tenderize your heart and make you gentle toward all the other people in your life. I hope that you will go to Jesus and experience Jesus as the Prince of Peace. You may feel like your life is full of turmoil. You may feel like your life is full of drama kings and drama queens. But Jesus can speak peace to your heart. If you will try this Jesus, you will find him way more than adequate. If you will invite this Jesus Christ into your life to be the the deliverer, the ruler in your life, you will find that he can be all of these things to you and more. Here at Weston Memorial Church, we want the world to know Jesus, not just know about Jesus, we want the world to know Jesus, to experience the power and the presence of Jesus in their lives as a real presence. Here at Weston Memorial Church, we want the world to know, we want you to know the presence of this one that we call Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We want you to know this person in your life and allow this person to be part of your journey in this world and the next. That's why we do things like this drive-through that's happening this afternoon that's a way that we can share the glory of the gospel with the community around us. This is why we do things like have the four worship services on Christmas Eve. Those services will be filled with the light of Christmas, candlelight communion, the tremendous music of the Christmas season. We do those things because we need it, but more importantly, the world needs to know Him. So I hope that you'll be with us on Christmas Eve. I'll hope you, I hope you bring some people with you as we experience the real presence of Christ in the sacrament. We can't pass the bread and the, the cider like we do. We're going to try to be COVID-sensitive, but we'll, we'll commune like we've been communion with the prepackaged communion. But we know that the power of the Holy Spirit can take that prepackaged communion and make it be for us the body and blood of Christ. And we experience what we've said for centuries now, the real presence 
of Christ in that meal. So we'll fill this sanctuary, we'll fill the fellowship hall with the light of Christ piercing the darkness. My friends, I hope that you'll open your hearts and open your lives to this one of whom Isaiah spoke. If you desire Christ at all, if you desire Christ at all today, please know that you desire Christ because Christ has a great desire for you. If you have but a spark of love for this Jesus, please know you have that spark of love because he has a furnace full of the fire of love for you. A little faith will lead us to heaven, but great faith can bring heaven to earth right now. I pray that Christmas will happen in your heart in such a way that you'll never, ever be able to be the same again. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to know you as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We want to know you in the fullness of all your offices. We know that you are who you say you are, and we want to open our lives in such a way that we will allow you to be who you say you are in our lives. You come now with gentleness among us. You come now with gentleness into our lives. You will not even bruise a broken reed. You come into our lives in such a gentle way. But Lord, may we be willing to open our hearts completely to you. We've tried ruling in our own lives. We've tried running our own lives. And we haven't done very well. We yield the control of our lives to you. Grant us your wisdom. Grant us your power. Grant us a, an experience of your love. And grant us your peace. Amen.